0: So, I'll give you the link for Anthony's uh, YouTube page. Feel free Subscribe. to go and check him out, <sighs> Subscribe, check him out, man. Check out all the podcasts out. Especially the one that I was in. That's Especially the, best the one. one that he was in. <laughs> um, so, Anthony, as I said, man, you're a fully signed up member of the Libertarian Party uh, in the UK. Um, not to be confused with the Liberal Democrats in the <laughs> right. UK. Um, completely, different, um, completely different places they're coming from, but... Um, so, how did you first hear about the libertarian
1: movement? Was it through your interest in American politics, or? Um, I didn't know anything about a movement. In fact, um, I'd never met a libertarian in Scotland. Uh, I never met. A, uh, I went. I'd heard of the term, but to me, it somehow seemed contradictory because it was this idea. I was on the left. I wasn't like a pure communist, but I was definitely a lefty. And I'd heard this idea of this thing called libertarianism, which meant socially liberal or, you know, and kind of lefty on social issues, on social freedom, and kind of uh, free market on economics. And to me, that sounded like a contradiction because I thought that kind of freedom would interfere with social freedom. But I never met a libertarian, so I had no one to discuss it with. And then once I was at summer camp, I must have been about 20, it was in America. I was a summer camp counsellor uh, and I met a kid there and I was having political debates with him and like my jaw dropped and all of a sudden I just went, you're a libertarian. And he went, yup, like like it was nothing, like, uh, like yeah, obviously. And I was like, he obviously didn't realise what a big deal that was to me because I'd never met one before, <laughs> right? So, but uh, his arguments didn't convince me, Uh, although he he was a good arguer, but one thing he said was he liked debating with me because he thought I knew my stuff, whereas most of the lefties he talked to in America he didn't think were as good arguing with him. Well, my entry into the movement or introduction into the movement didn't happen for a couple more years after that. Uh, I've talked a lot of politics and I found myself saying the same things over and over again and YouTube had just come up and I thought well, here's an idea Maybe I can put little videos out on YouTube talking about my politics. It's probably 2007 and uh, Then I won't have to explain the same things over and over again because if I just explain it once I can go check out this video not long after that the Ron Paul thing started exploding 2007 in America, and that guy like blew my mind because he was the first person that I'd ever heard of that was for capitalism, but against wars and for civil liberties and against the Patriot Act and um, had so many positions that I considered to be lefty and I was like that just confused the hell out of me for, for as far as I was concerned if you were for capitalism you were for the wars you were for and and because that's what conservatism was you know you were for the war on drugs he was against the war on drugs so I started listening to what he was saying and he had a lot of good arguments for free markets which I'd never heard of before so um that started to influence me but I I wouldn't say that I went libertarian from that he introduced me to the conspiracy theories of the fed or maybe I'd heard some of them before from Alex Jones and David Icke and stuff like that because I had been into conspiracy theories a little bit beforehand but he brought in these perspectives about the corruption in the world I knew there was something wrong with the world but I didn't know why what exactly I knew some of the things and he brought in these perspectives of like the federal reserve system central banking and stuff like that which all the lefties I knew in politics weren't really speaking about was like, well, why aren't they speaking about these things as well? These are surely just as important, but I still considered myself a left winger. I just was a left winger with maybe some moderate views. I could see some of the benefits of free markets and also um, I was incorporating all these other things that most left wingers wouldn't. But as a follow on from that explosion of the Let Ron Paul movement in America, I started getting all these gate crashers onto my YouTube channel that were libertarians saying, you're wrong, you're wrong. They try to correct my economics. And like, you should watch this video and that. And every time I put a video, they were coming up and they were leaving me comments. Most of them were pretty respectful, though, you know, they were respectful. My, my YouTube channel was called Revolutionary Jam, mm-hmm. and they used to all call me Jam instead of Anthony, even though I said my name at the beginning. Jam, you're totally wrong, man. Like, so I followed the rabbit hole down, and I got into a few YouTubers, and I would say it probably took me a couple of years to admit that I had become an anarchist. Well, what would some would now call an anarcho-capitalist. I personally prefer the word voluntarist we can talk about that if it's interesting to you, but no one knows what a voluntarist is. So I said an anarchist, and I didn't think I was a fully blown libertarian. In fact, I didn't really like the word libertarian because I just it, I just didn't like it. Plus, I thought a libertarian meant you want the government to do national defence, police, uh, courts and things. And I was like, if I was going to get the government to do anything, those are the last things I put them in charge <laughs> of. You don't want to put them in charge of the military, right? So, um, so I called my what what the actual word for it is anarchist without adjectives, which is somewhere in between a left wing anarchist, an anarchist communist, and a an anarcho capitalist or a libertarian anarchist. Somewhere in the middle is something called anarchist without adjectives, and that suited me. But as I kept on falling on and then I moved to Edinburgh, and I met some libertarians in person, I started to embrace the word libertarian, because if the cap fits, why not wear it? As far as everyone else was concerned, I was a libertarian, but right up until three, four years ago, I, I wasn't calling myself that, just you know, maybe anarchist or voluntarist. See, I try and,
0: I've always tried to stay away from labels, just for the the reason, as soon as you put a label on yourself, it, other people attach x y or z to it and you're like right well this is the way my head's at but i don't agree with that and it's the freedom to have your own points of view within a particular movement so um i'd never put myself in one bracket but when you when you talk about ron paul in 2007 that was when my eyes were open to a lot of the libertarian mindsets Uh, in hindsight um for me i seen ron paul as planting the seed of doubt within the the the, the fiat central bank systems right. cuz for me that was the stuff i, I agreed with him so much yeah. cuz like yourself when the point when you, when you see the corruption of the banking system it's it's there for everybody to see um i think ron paul was a stepping stone to donald trump <laughs> just uh-huh. this general I see the left-right of politics a bit like boxing, where uh, it's the same body coming at you, hitting you with the left, hitting you with the right, and ultimately they want you in
1: the middle. I agree, and Trump, uh, Ron Paul is really not a big fan of Donald Trump, he criticises him a lot, but he, but you may be right in the fact that many people unfortunately um, took the Uh, libertarianism as only a bus stop on the way to the alt-right and I don't consider myself a right winger never have been I mean growing up in Scotland you got a lot of negative associations with the right I still carry those the difference is I didn't really see the major flaws in the left that I do now Um, I pick up on a couple of things you've said one is about labels like I agree with you about labels they can be very limiting because people have associations with what you mean, like a word like capitalism. There's a million different definitions of what capitalism is, and when we as libertarians use the word capitalism, it's usually something different from what most people mean. And the other thing is I mean, I used to say that capitalism can't exist without the state, so I didn't consider myself even a capitalist, never mind a libertarian. But I think that sometimes labels can be useful as well, and the, the word is taxonomy, which is labeling things. They're a shortcut to understanding. They can be if used correctly. Unfortunately, when everyone has different definitions of the word, they're more of a limitation. The reason why I like the term voluntarist is because it's got that word in it voluntary. And that is the label that I would choose if people knew it. And the reason why is libertarianism is a political philosophy. It's about how politics should run. Whereas voluntarism is is a moral philosophy. It's how you think an individual should behave, how you think individuals should react with one another. And the principle of voluntarism is if both of us agree, then it's a voluntary interaction, then it's cool. If one of us is forcing the other, we're against that. So it's very intuitive because voluntarism, consent is the difference between lovemaking and rape or theft and a gift, or um, a boxing match and assault, (laughs) or murder and euthanasia, we have this instinct that we shouldn't do things to people that they don't consent to. And voluntarism is just a moral philosophy organized around that. Now, the consequence of taking that morality seriously in your political philosophy is you're probably going to be some form of libertarian. They're consistent with each other. And um, the, the, the only thing that some people might disagree on with that is we see commerce as a very good thing because if I've got a pen and you've got a tie and you swap me my pen for your tie and we do it in a voluntary way, we're both better off because obviously you prefer the pen and I prefer the tie, otherwise, we wouldn't swap. Now, people start to be suspicious of that when it's a big company or a corporation doing the swap I say well you know if you pay 400 pounds for an iPad you obviously value that more than the more than the money otherwise you wouldn't swap it then some people say well there's a big disparity of power so it's not really a voluntary exchange and and things like that I, I don't personally agree with that we could go into that more but that's basically where, where we're coming from. See, like, um, interesting about Ron Paul, like, linking into uh,
0: Donald Trump, um, what I see globally, and the pattern, uh, even here in the UK, especially in Scotland, is the the the, the, um, the political landscape. There seems to be a wrecking ball going through almost every country. Right. Uh, in Scotland, <laughs> the SNP done it. Brexit done it down in England. In uh, Europe right now, you have uh, the France changing the political landscape. It happened in Spain as well. They were... Was it, was it two years or something? They were without a government.
1: Wow. And uh, they didn't had, do them any harm. It
0: didn't do them yeah. any harm. We um, See, over in Holland as well, they still have not got our government since their elections. Wow. And I'm trying to think how long... Because it's the, 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 the proportional representation, the coalition thing, you've got Gert Wilders in there and nobody's, um, nobody's playing ball with them. But with, with regards to America... Um, With the Ron Paul thing, he definitely interjected a third way of thinking over in America. Right up until then, everybody was firmly in the left-right paradigm. It was either the Republicans, the Republicans, or the Democrats, one or the other. And then Ron Paul came along. And you could see, like yourself, you could, like you're you mentioning about labels. You could see kind of try to appropriate the Republican side to sell on the Libertarian ideas. Right. So it was kind of injecting a third party through proxy into the Republican party. And what Ron Paul done to for me in hindsight was, I wouldn't say fracture, but it definitely made a proportion of tip, stereotypical Republicans stand up and go and think again yeah now whether they're working together or not who knows maybe it's just one of those consequences but ron paul's injecting of these new ways of thinking into the republican um party and the two-party system in america definitely paved the way for donald trump again you would argue donald trump wasn't a stereotypical republican he definitely was riding, riding that wave of discontentment yeah um and that discontent look at the i mean the, the guy was out talking about nine eleven stuff mm. and this is this for me is all sound bites manufacturing consent uh, and i know you I, I know you um you were saying i don't think you're the biggest fan of trump either and neither is ron paul for that matter um but we we with, with, with even the libertarian thing and the Ron Paul thing, I can agree it was very interesting you split it like from, from morals uh, and politics. Because with, with the libertarian point of view and the principles they talk about, even economics and stuff, morally I can agree with that more than what's currently in place. That's sure. why I'm happy sitting down um, discussing this because it, it, I, I think people are pulling in the, in the same direction. It's the politics part. The, I, I question, and then even we're going on to consent here, um, a lot of libertarians, I think, would agree with me, like with statism, the, the, the permission, you've statism, the belief you require permission to be free, and a lot of libertarians that I've spoke to would agree with that position, you don't, and then unfortunately with, for, for me, um, looking at it from my sceptical point of view, I see the the main figureheads of libertarianism and the political arena, they're
1: all about the politics, not about yeah. the morals. And that's where my disconnect yeah. happens. And I, I felt that way with these candidates as well, especially Gary Johnson. He was a pragmatist. He really didn't have strong positions. And then you then you heard him sucking up to Hillary Clinton. I wasn't sure of him at first Then he went on the Joe Rogan podcast, and I was like, okay, I like him now. But then he said so many things that were just dumb from a libertarian perspective. He rejected the non-aggression principle, which is the fundamental point to libertarians. And I think this is the thing with politics. like, If we're getting in politics as libertarians, it's not because we want to do politics to people. It's more like this. Supposing you were in a jail and you had a choice between Officer Goody, who will beat you every second day, and Officer Baddy, who will beat you every day, right? If you voted to for Officer Goody, that doesn't mean that you're consenting to the system, you're just voting out of self-defense. So, I'm not really a big fan of political action, Personally, I wish that all the time people spend campaigning and talking politics, instead they were spending becoming skillful people so we could join together and create organizations that would make the government irrelevant, make our own schools, make our own hospitals, you know, that are more moral, more about uplifting humanity, you know, create alternatives to the things that the state does, create our own community centers, groups, and, uh, and things like that, because the government relies on people being reliant upon it and the, the, the best way to take down the government uh, would be to make it irrelevant by becoming extremely self-reliant from a point where from that self-reliance we can become interdependent and join together and use our skills to help one another, help the less fortunate. But help them help themselves so that they are not dependent on government either, because as long as they're dependent on government, we will have government, they rely on there being poor people, they rely on there being people who can't afford their own uh, health care, their own education for their kids, their own um, security. You know, because if people could provide that for themselves, what the fuck do you need government for? <laughs> I think you know technology's I mean? more or less made
0: government uh, null and void. Yeah, exactly. I mean... It was very interesting to used the phrase, a um- because I like that, man. I don't think I've probably heard it before, but it's never stuck in my head. Um, but again, it, it, for me, it's hard to argue against that in the sense... That I, I never claim to have any answers, only questions and ideas uh, uh, and I've, I've, anything that, that a human enters into voluntary um, is all good in my book. I mean, for example, I'll, I'll use, right now you've got a lot of like, um, I guess even the transgender just now as well as the gay community fighting for the right to have a marriage and all these churches yeah. and stuff. And, and I'm a straight guy, but if it was a gay guy or whatever, I would be like, like why the hell do yeah. you want to go and join a club that's fucking yeah, called you an arsehole? You. Go and set up your own gay church. That's, exactly, that's what I would exactly. say. And tell them to go and fuck off. They could are burning people at stake. Rather than fighting to change. Because, yeah, like Yeah, they want to
1: force the Catholics, the Catholic churches, to allow their marriages there. I'm against that. I, 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 I You can boycott the church... You can raise awareness, you can tell other people to boycott the church, but you shouldn't force them to do something they're not willing to do. Start
0: up a gay church, that's what I think. <laughs> there well, probably are a
1: few out there, but I just think everybody should everybody should
0: have the freedom of association, and if they start up a club, um, is law, uh, the, the non aggression principle or natural law should apply within those rules, sure. uh, and as long as they're not shitting in anybody else's doorstep, let them have whatever... I agree stupid what good rules or bad rules that's
1: subjective so i'll give you a perfect example right you have say people on the right saying ban the burqa right <laughs> and you have people on the left saying the burqa should be allowed everywhere the the libertarian solution is very simple if it's your restaurant, you can get to choose whether people can come in with a burka or not. If it's your house, you can choose whether people come to burka or not. You know, if it's your beach, you get to decide. So if someone, if there's a restaurant that says, sorry, we don't like people here with burqas, first of all, all the Muslims will boycott it and then anyone else who disagrees with that can decide we're not going to eat in that restaurant. Let people make decisions with their principles. It's like that, should a Christian baker be forced to make a gay man a gay wedding cake? No, but the gays and people who are liberal minded have every right to boycott that baker and someone can set up a baker just across the road that does do it and because they'll get a little wee
0: gay bakery yeah
1: (laughs) and here call me i'm going to
0: use stereotypes here but i'm pretty sure there's gay guys out there can bake (laughs) but exactly mate it's, it's about the principle of the freedom to choose and i have like if i started up a church i wouldn't exclude anybody but that's just because i'm free to ex- exactly. express my points of view and people that want to exclude people on their sexuality i don't agree with it but you're free to do it and i believe like i believe that well, i think i think this is like almost confirmed people
1: are good <laughs> mostly yeah people but are good if, even if you're good this is the why we need to have good institutions in society because you could be an amazing bus driver but if the bus is going in the wrong direction, then what can you do? You know, we have a terrible education system, but most teachers are good. The problem is they're in a terrible education system. So even if they're good people, then uh, they're not going to get as much out of the kids as the kids would have if they were in a good education system. I think so, that's the same so, as
0: like every institution. It's the exactly, compartmentalisation. I exactly. get you, mate. It's, um, I, I, something I've commonly said and it's a bit provocative and stuff but I, I do stand by it to, 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 to evolve we have to figuratively figuratively burn down all the institutions that right. exist just now now that doesn't mean I'm, as I'm saying figuratively I'm not saying go down and burn the buildings or throw away all this knowledge I'm saying we need to um, because when you look at all these institutions they seem to be, there seems to be a control structure in them, and part of that control structure is controlled by, used to be people's fetishes, sexual fetishes, and one of them used to be, well, one of them, Well, they used to have, they used to control people through things that society deemed uh, no good, like right? yeah. was sexual practices and stuff, um, the gay things pretty much dead and buried and stuff, but now that that paedophilia thing exists, yeah. and, and because if they know you're a paedophile, they can put you in a position of power and you'll do whatever you're told. I mean, I don't even think this is um, theory. You just need to look at Jimmy Savile's relationship with Margaret Thatcher, so on and so forth, and it becomes blatantly obvious. So, um, with, with regards to like, sort of an and stuff, and this is where... This this is what makes me, my, me scratch my head about Ron Paul. Um, not so much him as... Him as an individual, but just more. Um, I, I I ask myself, what aren't they saying? I think that they should be saying, and I don't know why. Ron Paul, even Alex Jones, when he was into Ron Paul and, and all that mindset over in America, why aren't they pointing to the Declaration of Independence? <laughs> what the Americans done to overthrow the, the the rule of the British Empire? Get rid of King George um and establish new institutions um with a hell of a lot of good principles that you can still point to today and go both went backwards yeah separation of powers the monetary system they put in place the taxation well the lack of taxation that was in america initially the fact that there wasn't an income tax um all these things and then uh, for me, Ron Paul was still trying to get them a vote. We need to ask. We need to ask this big monolith of state permission to be free. It's
1: kind of like uh, you know going to the mafia and trying to turn them into like a charity. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> That's not what mafia does. That's not what government does. But the great thing is whether you agree with him encouraging people to vote he had a he got good ideas out and he used the plan because people get attention in politics now let's face it the scottish libertarian party which i'm a member of even though i'm not a huge fan of political action we're not going to be getting any seats anytime soon but because people are interested in politics for us just having the name on the ballot was a good way to get people to go. Liberty. What is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. Do you know what? So we're just using it to get out ideas. And Ron Paul, yeah, he did go within the system, but on the other hand, he used he was on prime time TV and he told them that the war was a he he spoke out against the war. He told people that U.S. imperialism provoked nine eleven, um, and he said it's not me saying it. The CIA even admits mm. that that blowback is a real thing. <laughs> so he used that. Um, platform to get ideas out. Maybe you can disagree with the fact he was encouraging people to vote, but uh that was just a way from my point of view to rouse people to voice their objection. Um and yeah, if I if I'm wrong, tell me. Did did you ever hear the well I don't know if it's so much a conspiracy theory, um like Ron Paul's
0: great granda uh he was a German SS right. officer. And it was um ach, it doesn't even mean much. Um it means as much. It means as much as, as you, much it as you give it. it to it. Um, I just thought it was interesting because um, it, 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 his surname was Paul, and I think it was the German version of Pal or something. I can't remember the exact spelling of it now. Um, but again, that was just like a, a wee conspiracy theory thing that I came across. Um, but as you said, um, for me, he interjected a lot of different ways of thinking about things, and and what I was most impressed or what I took them. What i took away most from ron paul was the financial system right um which i still agree with all the arguments against central banking um putting my tinfoil hat on and getting uber skeptical i would just say right so why is there now a political movement out there getting airtime telling us what's been staring us in the face for so long how bad the central bank fiat system is and then it was at the same time i see that I seen this emerging of the digital currency. <laughs> we were talking about this just before we went on air. Um, I mean, like, um, I was talking about how I bought a bus ticket for the first time, and that's the first time that I've actually
1: um, had a digital ticket or whatnot. Um, so this right, so is definitely... I hear what you're saying. If, if I get you right, what you're saying is you're wondering if the fact that they're speaking about how corrupt the financial system is in the mainstream, is just a cloak and dagger, a sleight of hand to get people to accept a one world digital currency. Or something else. I mean, it would
0: it would fall into the Hegelian dialectic, mm-hmm. um, which we're all familiar with David Icke. But again, you're looking for that reaction and um, they've got it um, pretty much worldwide, and especially the younger generation. Um even myself and people I, I speak to, they're all people that are economically minded are very, very sceptical about this banking system we have. Uh, the, the alternatives that seem to be getting offered up there tend to be like digital currency and stuff. And um, I, I know you're not a Bitcoin uh, expert, but I don't know if you keep up with the ins and outs. Recently, there's been what people have said is a Bitcoin bubble. Right. I don't think it's popped yet. But others have speculated because it's pretty much a commodity, you're pretty much mining digital codes, which there's a limited amount of that it's it's a commodity and thus like the commodity markets can be manipulated as such. So I, I just I, I just think there's far <laughs> again it's maybe just a the conspiracy theorist in me, but um but even in the same token Libertarians, I, I wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket. Right. Um, so I'm exactly. not sitting up here saying Bitcoin isn't the answer. Bitcoin's e- evil. This is. E- I, I would rather spread out and have like yourself yes. an open market and let the market now, decide. Th-
1: this is so we can have a couple of discussions here. We can talk about what is money, and we can also talk about the libertarian position. I would say uh, on money which would basically be people should be able to trade with whatever they want. If they want to uh, trade with these stupid fiat notes, they can. If they want to trade with gold, they can. If they want to trade with Bitcoin, they can. If they want to trade with salt, with grain, or with vouchers that you can exchange for salt or grain. Whatever people want to trade with, they can, right? That's it. And that will give people the most choice. But you have to understand what people are trying to do when they acquire money, any kind of money. What they're trying to do is they're trying to store up value. Now before the central banks printed all the money and before the central bank set the interest rate, you could put your money in a bank and that was safe because the money retained its value. In fact in the 1800s in America, the value of the dollar, if you just kept it in a bank, even excluding the interest you get for it, would go up. So my $100 which I've saved, which would be shed loads of money back then, would be worth more in 10 years than it's worth now. Now because the, of the central banking, people can't just save their money so they need to think of other options. They put it all into the housing market. What's happened? Houses are far too expensive. The market gets rigged, I would yeah. argue as well. I mean, the government yeah. controls the supply, yeah. which then
0: you counter back to the demand and boom, shaka laka, you can control yeah, exactly. the prices.
1: So imagine houses cost half what they cost now. How much richer would regular people be if you only had to pay half as much rent or half as much in a mortgage? It might be even less than that if not for government intervention. So what people are trying to do when they acquire money, any kind of money, whether it's fiat or whether it's investments, whether it's gold, whether it's Bitcoin, is they're trying to store their value so they can use it later. That's all they're trying to do. Now, no one knows what's going to stay in value. If, if we find a way, if someone finds a way to turn coal into gold, all those people who invested in gold are going to lose their investment because gold's going to become 10 a penny. Mm. So people are trying to hedge. People are trying to find, because time is unpredictable. We never know what's going to happen. So people are, someone might come out with something better than Bitcoin and suddenly the value of Bitcoin will crash. But all people are trying to do is have a way of saving their value for a rainy day or to buy a house or a car or invest in a business, which they can't do just now, you know? That's all people want out of money. See, I think there's two approaches when you're talking about this. You can have your ruby red slipper moment
0: where if you had your wish, you could click your heels and get a kind of system that you think is ideal. Uh, and then you can also come from a more pragmatic uh, mindset and go, right, what are sensible steps to improve this? Right. And uh, I mean, I, I know my ruby red slipper mo- moment, it's it's evolve away from... Um. It's a, it's a bulb away from this natural human instinct that's been programmed in us to 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 store, store shit. Now I know natural humans actually like they they store things of value, food, stuff yeah. you need for shelter, um, energy, coal, whatever. Um, but th- th- this is why I like the idea of community because yeah. I think all these things would be solved within a... Like I the, like
1: community as well. I'm a big fan of community as
0: well. Well, mate, that's because um, I do so much stuff online and it's getting to the stage now where I need to do stuff in actually the, meeting 3D. people. It's it's just a different ball game. I'm really sick to the fucking back teeth sitting here in front of my computer staying the same shit all the time. Man. Not not doing this. No, not, not, do, not no, doing no. no. This, but, it's brilliant to see people in the flesh and I, I love my live shows. Stuff. Yeah, it's I, I don't want to spend all my time sitting at a computer talking about how he saved the world. I actually want to go out and do stuff. Yeah, that's great, man. Now, um, at the meeting we had, I, w- I was chatting to... Um, um, I, can't, oh, I can't remember the guy's name now. Who was the Bitcoin guy's name again? Uh, Darren. Darren, your flatmate. Um, we were chatting about Bitcoin and stuff, and as i often do, I went into the symbolism and the, the fasci and the, 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 uh, and the Senate over in America and whatnot, and it, it symbolises... Uh, Roman, uh, a, a Roman Empire torture tool, and the principle behind it was it's a bunch of sticks tied together, sometimes with an axe protruding, sometimes not, and it represents the the Roman magistrate power. And the prince, the, the idea behind it is, um, as many we are strong together, we are weak. So it's like the one stick yeah. you can snap it. You put a bundle of sticks together, it can't it's snap. snap yeah. Now I was watching, was it last night or something? A couple of nights ago, I was watching Rise of the Planet of the Apes, the first new Planet of the Apes. (laughs) And the the wee monkey there, as he's becoming uh, intelligent, he takes one stick, and for me, this was just, this was the movie, the symbolism, uh, speaking, he's like, took one stick, together ape, weak, together many, apes is strong, and I just seen the, the symbolism of the fasci there, and it made me sit back and think, because I'm a pure individualist. I really am. I find it hard to go to groups because there's always ground we don't agree on. Um, I'm not a complete asshole. I can sit around with people we don't see 100% IEI. Um, but it made me realise that
1: to have an effect, you do have to come together and be no strong. No question. Um, Everyone's got different skills. And when we can find people who've got different skills from us, but a common goal... We can use our skills together to make something that's not just me plus you, but me times you, times you, times you. So instead of five plus five plus five, it's five times five times five, and that's when we're powerful, because whoever you think is behind the terrible stuff that's going on in the world, they've got one thing on the activists. They are bloody organized, right? They know how to organize, and... This is why anyone who's an activist, whether you're on the left, the libertarian, or you're a right winger, I I know I hate saying that because it's a dirty word, but maybe there's some things that they've got that are actually good. You need to learn to organize. You need to get your own shit together. Then you need to use those skills to help the people around you get their shit together because we're stronger together, as as you've said. You know and use those skills to do good in the world don't try and just vote politicians to do it start organizations and do it yourself or if you can find ones that are doing good work and support them mm-hmm. volunteer donate money if you can't volunteer do something that makes your principles real in the world because talking will only get us so far find people that you can share ideas and get on with and
0: um because I don't know, I've always, I've always tried to stay away from groups and stuff, and I don't think I'll ever, like, officially join any group or whatever, but I do realise you need to get out there and speak to normal people, there are so many good people out there who, and and, uh, recently what I've been focusing on and I've been trying to get people to realise the idea is um, even the principle, if you go and look how uh, the CIA used COINTELPRO back in the 60s in America, they took a big group of people that were sitting in a field saying, love not war, peace not war, and then they split them into every pigeonhole. You go over there and argue for the gays, you go over there argue for the straights, you go over there argue for the blacks, the whites, so on and so forth. So they took this big pool of people that was stronger than the government because there was more of them than, yeah. than the government, and absolutely smashed them. Because they weren't organised. Weren't organised you know. and they didn't have... And for me it's this principle of... <laughs> we need to organise around the, the things we can agree on. Exactly. What, what I think people can agree on, and which I was blown away that you, like uh, yourself was on the same page as me when I was talking about the democracy scam and just the rule by minority. Um That's something that we could agree on. and Not only we agreed on, we were very much the same... uh, same page, we could see that when you look at the numbers and how democracy scams use, it's pretty much a dictatorship. Um, And even if the majority get in, you still have that 51% dictating to the 49%. So it's like a new mindset. Again, it's evolving away from all these pre-trodden paths um, and trodden a new path. Um, And finding the singularities that we can all agree on the the current monetary system um, is sla- debt slavery. Um, whatever way, whatever way you cut it, it's debt, debt slavery. The people with money can make money off that money at the behest of the poor. Uh, then, if you even look at the, 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 the fractional reserve uh, system, Banking, yeah. it's just absolutely unbelievable. When I first, my sister used to work for Santander, and when I got into this information, she's from a position where she's getting all the corporate bill crap. Then she's selling this stuff, and then over the few years of my journey and stuff, my sister knows exactly, that exact same page, agrees with everything I'm saying, knows exactly how what a scam it is, and then that's that's what worries me about. Not so much Bitcoin. I'm using Bitcoin as a capture all for all the digital currencies because what I see, what what I seen was happening was, the, the the current banking system, as you've said before, relies on confidence. If people lose the confidence in that, bang, it's gone. Um, and it's it's similar to bitcoin as well but the, the thing with bitcoin is you could never have a run in the banks so even in and in that the, the people still had the power to have a run on the bank and it was that that power was with the people it was so big they actually wrote laws to deem you a terrorist if you encourage runs on the bank um so when I heard the, the bit chain technology getting rolled out through Bitcoin and then the, all, all the other digital currencies, and I'm thinking, let me think, was it last year? The the four major big banks started, they're going to get rid of the SWIFT system, and they're going to start using blockchain technology for interbank transactions, and then when you see the big central banks moving to the technology, the the, the internet and the skeptic community is sort of a soul to everybody, that's where I have seen it sort of, I, rather
1: than evolving, I have seen it revolving. Well, this is the thing, like technology's a tool and it can be used for good and evil. Like the, the technology you're talking about, it's a massive advancement. And obviously the state is going to take any good technology that comes out the free market and try and assimilate it and use it to expand their power. That doesn't mean the technology itself is a negative. It's just a tool, you know, I could have an axe and I can use it to chop down a tree to make a table and give you a present or I can use that to smash someone's head and you know on its own it's neutral but it can be misused there's no question of that. The thing about bitcoin is it's just an option for people, no one's forced to use it. The thing about fiat currency is people are forced to use it, there was a company in the United States that tried to set up something called the Liberty dollar which was basically backed by gold and silver and the feds came in, the government came in and shut them down and said they were counterfeiting. Now how ridiculous is that? The government has got an organization that's allowed to print money at will and devalue everyone else's currency so that if you've got savings, your savings are worth less because the gov- the fed or the Bank of England is just printing money mm. and they charge the government interest <laughs> for the privilege of these printed monies and then they accuse this company which is completely voluntary and isn't forcing anyone to use their notes of counterfeiting I mean what do you make of that? Well, no, mate, I'm, Spot on um,
0: I, I would s- go back to the, 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 the voluntarist and, uh, uh, and it's, it's, as long as everything's voluntary, the blockchain technology is again, it's a tool in your bag that can get used to um, do commerce worldwide and especially where they the digitally connected world we stay in now, it's definitely a positive tool. Um, When I see the four big banks going to this blockchain technology with interbank uh, transfers, what could you say, maybe five years maximum until they try and roll that out onto the general citizens. So, um, I think people who are embracing or using the blockchain technology, currencies and stuff, also need to be aware of the pitfalls so sure. that if at one point they try to make this mandatory and they will they will try this is what i this is the road i feel it going down they're going to try and make all currencies worldwide the blockchain technology and thus they don't make it voluntary and they'll argue you've got the illusion of choice because you can choose bitcoin or all the other denominations uh of the the digital currency so again um it's when it's it's when you see the large banks the large corporations trying to make that mandatory and people need to be aware they don't need to be aware but i think it's worthwhile making sure they ought to be
1: aware uh, whatever choices you make in life you should always try and have as much information as possible to go on and this is just what you're talking about like don't be a sheep you know make sure you know about the the money you're using So I can't, I can't fault you on anything you've said. All right, well, again, it's all about
0: voluntary systems, all about voluntary systems. Blockchain, Bitcoin isn't the devil incarnate, it's if it gets used as a mandatory system to turn the global commerce, all digital. Um, I witnessed this a couple of weeks ago myself, I was out in the town, and I must have been sitting on my cards wrong, and both my bank cards broke. And I'm walking around unable to get, I think it was a Sunday. It happened on a Saturday night and then a Sunday. And I was walking about and I couldn't get access to my own money. And I'm thinking, that like, on a on a Bitcoin, blockchain, digital currency
1: um, model, that's going to cause some problems some people well, in the future. It depends on the currency. I think certainly, I don't think anyone has got the power to do that with, say, Bitcoin. I like to t- cut you off the problem would be if they move if the government moves to a mandatory digital currency, then what will happen is if you 're a dissident, the ba- the government just goes to the banks and go cut that person off don 't let them get have access to their own bank account, and then there's bugger all you can do you 're yeah. just basically at the mercy of those in, in power, so that is a scary dystopian future. Uh, which hopefully won't happen but definitely uh, near an episode of the twilight zone you know (laughs) i think of that like with you know the ubi that's uh, that's getting promoted by people on the left just now i think there's nothing more scary than a citizenry that are dependent on the government for their universal basic income because as soon as they got it the moment the government doesn't like you they just oh he's a communist oh he's a libertarian he's an anarchist cut them off you know Mm -hmm. and and you you can't do anything about it because you're you've grown dependent on the government for me for having your living and then we
0: could even go down like the separation of powers we were talking about earlier on like a lot of the systems were um that were set up in like the 18th century um especially like with, with the creation of america and stuff um the, the principle of separation of power was there for a reason and, and like all these things, like it's, it's great, um, but you have to build in and you have to consider the corruption of man um, and power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Humans have understood this and that's why in you know, a lot of the systems that we're living under just now, initially when they were set up, the separation of powers was built in. That's no longer going. Um, up here in Scotland, we're witnessing every government agency talking to each other for efficiency savings. It's happening down in England as well now, and it's and it is moving to this dystopian future um, where there is no separation of powers. Yeah, in the so state. there needs
1: to be checks and balances. Basically, I'm not really sure that the separation of powers in America was. Um, I think it was doomed to fail. And the reason is states have certain incentives and even if you separate the powers all of those three institutions that you separate them into have more to gain by working together in a corrupt way than working against each other now i have got a video on youtube that i did a few years ago because i was um, sick of uh, trying to explain myself again and again If you just type into YouTube, why government can never work, why government can never work, it's about 24 minutes long and I go through most of my arguments for why states as institutions are incentivized to do poorly. For example, it would be bad enough, right? See if I said, um, here's this coffee, right? You have to buy it whether you like it or not because I'm going to take the price of your coffee out of your paycheck. Do you think that coffee would get better over time or worse over time? <laughs> it get worse because yes. you've got no choice over whether to buy it or not. That's a government institution but that's not bad enough. Add to that on the top, the government would have the power to say you're not allowed to buy any other coffee except this coffee and that's what we have with our education system. It's centrally planned. You buy it whether you like it or not, and we decide from the central planning what kind of education everyone's going to get. And then it's only a few people who can provide, uh, can, can afford private school, and even those are controlled by the government. Mm-hmm. Then with our so-called free, so-called universal, because it's not, because a lot of people don't get healthcare, um, so-called universal, so-called free, so-called healthcare, because it's not healthcare, it's sick care. You only get any attention when you're sick mm-hmm. they don't help you to become healthy <laughs> they
0: want you to become sick like then dependent
1: and it's centrally planned and not only do they tell you what healthcare you can and can't have they also super regulate all the private healthcare why because if someone came up with a cheap affordable hospital that had no waiting lists and you're like okay i need to pay for it but i can afford it everyone starts going what the fuck with the nhs man the million the waiting lists are 4 million long ready to hit 5 million in 2019, in a population of 64.2 million, is a disaster. Mm-hmm. But because not only can they force you to pay for it, they also can stop competition. You get a poorer and poorer and poorer service. And this goes for all state-run institutions. The, let me give you another problem with Democracy Scan. <laughs> Supposing we start up a government department to deal with heroin addiction, we want to abolish heroin addiction in the UK. If we actually do it, we've not got a job anymore. The whole reason why we were set up was to fight heroin addiction. So we've not even got an incentive to do our own job well. You know, at least if it's a charity, there can be several charities doing the same thing And we can say, well, that one's getting good results, so I'm going to donate to that one. And then the next one goes, what are they doing that we're not doing? We need to copy them because we're losing donations to them. So there's a system of pointing resources towards the agencies that are doing the best job. Government doesn't have that because they can force you to pay for it, whether they do a good job or not. So you could even say
0: again that a lot of these problems could be resolved by community-based things. Because it's exactly. <laughs> who's get the biggest incentive to stop drug abuse, heroin addiction. Um, it's not the yes, government, as it's you said. Our they've community. got an, it's our own community because they're the ones that are having to put up with the bullshit. Exactly. The and crime. The, the I've not very met. I've not met very junkies that are happy being
1: addicts no, either. All no. what they all want to stop. And what do they get offered? They get offered methadone, and then they become addicted to the meth. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's a government program for mm. you. Do you know what I mean? The thing is you have to first of all, you have to legalize the the drugs so that they become safer and so that the price goes way down so people don't need to steal then you uh, to support their habits, then you'll have charities that will say, "All right, come here, we've got a room for you to shoot up in it's safe we've got a doctor on hand." And then it'll be safe. But then they can also offer those people drug counselling and try and help them get their life sorted so they don't need the drugs anymore. This has been trialled in other countries. And a lot of the heroin addicts that are just given heroin because they're not insecure. Why do people take substances? It's because they feel like shit. Mm -hmm. One way of feeling shit is feeling insecure and nervous. When am I going to get my hit? They know they can get their hit after a while. A certain percentage of junkies just gave up when they had that security of knowing they could get their hit. Now, the other thing that a lot of people don't know that I only learned recently about drugs, and I think your audience will be very recent, very interested in this. There's this idea going around that if you take drugs, you will get addicted. Actually, the vast majority of people who take drugs Do not get addicted to them. So for example, you think if you kidnap someone and shoot them up with heroin for two weeks against their will, they will become a heroin addict. Not necessarily. Only 10%, only 10% of people are susceptible to the addiction. And it seems to be the same for all drugs. So people might take a a Coke a couple of times and never, I've never taken it, I never want to take it, but they'll get addicted to it. So it's not the drug that makes people addicted. It's certain psychological profiles. People with a certain kind of psychological profile are susceptible to certain addictions, whether it's gambling, sex, drugs, alcohol, tobacco, whatever. Right? You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a smoker. I'm not a heavy smoker, but I've not got an addictive personality. When I was in India, I didn't smoke for five weeks. Okay, so I'm lucky that way. I've not got the profile, but some people, for whatever reason, while they had childhood abuse, whether they had a lot of stress in their environment, whether they have certain genetics or susceptible to addiction, and if you had a legal system that uh, didn't put people in jail for it, we could find ways to help that small percentage of people who are susceptible to addiction, and a lot of the time, it's a substitute for connection. Everyone wants connection and it's people who don't have strong connections in their life and never really had it growing up to their parents, maybe they were abused and so forth or their parents were drug addicts themselves so they couldn't give them anything. They're susceptible to addiction because they've not got those connection skills. You can teach them, Uh, you can get them in environments where they talk to each other, where they, 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 they learn to talk and listen, they get connection. And then they can walk away from the
0: drugs. See, I think this works on so many levels in the sense that, uh, like, I think a lot, of, like yourself, a lot of addictions come from not being addicted to the substance, but more a, a, a disattachment from society. It's it's kind of like when when you go to areas that uh, are are less well off, let's say, and you'll see the local kids going around and they're they're making their own area shite they're graffitiing on their own walls outside their house and stuff they don't feel engaged they're disenfranchised i I think it's this famous old thing you treat people like animals they'll act like animals so um if if they don't it's a form of self abuse as well you don't respect or you don't feel attached to your community you don't feel any ownership or you should be proud of, of your close or what have you you get disillusioned with it um, and even with like, even people with abuse problems and stuff I, I, I know a lot that that's wrapped up in kind of self-harm you yeah. will come from a place yeah, of just self you, you feel worthless for whatever reason and then you won't give yourself any value whereas if you actually try and get a better opinion of yourself and stuff you'll value your life, you'll, you'll see there's more reasons to be here and you'll actively try to be a wee bit more fit and healthier yeah, and- as a
1: consequence and there's one skill that is really big that almost no one has in this society, and that is learning to accept your own emotions. And if you can't accept your own emotions, then you will take a substance to try and get away from them. Now, one of the reasons for this is that, say, when you're a kid and you start crying in school, someone will say, Don't cry, instead of, I see you're really upset about that. And then the kid goes, yeah, I am, because blah, blah, blah. And you go, yeah, I see that. Next thing, the kid's laughing. But if you teach people to repress their emotions, they never learn to accept them. So I practice, um, uh, it's a very simple practice. It's not a fast practice. It takes a long time. But I watch my emotions in my body. So when I feel emotional, it says in my chest, is it in my throat, is it in my solar plexus, my stomach? And I watch it when I'm walking or if I'm free, I'll spend 20 minutes a day, I'll put my timer on, I sit cross-legged, and I just meditate. I just watch my emotions in my body. And it's changed me. It's made me a much less reactive person. So if I'm talking to someone and they say something and it stoops me, instead of feeling ashamed and embarrassed, I just go, hmm. And then I find something to say, I don't get nervous. It's a really, really wonderful practice. And I recommend, and another thing is I used to hardly ever be, hardly be able to feel my body at all. Like if I looked in my chest, I could maybe just feel this much. Now when I'm walking, I feel my whole torso. I feel down my arms. I've not really got the sensitivity in my legs yet. I've been doing it for two or three years so now I can focus my attention in my legs and as I get walking I feel all of my body I enjoy being in my body now whereas before I was just dragging it around so these are things we could teach kids in school as well you know you can give them 20 minutes to meditate uh, if they're young uh, they they may be a bit frantic and you, they might need some help but then as they become into adults they're used to it oh I've always done it then you can accept you know if you're upset you can accept that you don't feel like you need to go and get pished because you're because you're you're feeling down you know because you're you're used to dealing with it and then kids are like this anyway one minute oh i don't like you anymore you're not my friend next minute they're laughing together because they're alive they can feel their emotions they can accept they just go crazy and then then the, the emotion is gone that's how it's meant to be we're meant to be dynamic we're meant to be alive right See if you're less joyful now than you were when you're a, a kid. You've got over thirty years more experience now. You should be more joyful yeah, with uh, everything you've learned in life. Somewhere we've got wrong. We've gone wrong if we're less joyful. I think now. we can learn a lot for kids, man. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, mean, know what, I know, I know. Kids can. are definitely my teachers, man. Uh, they're amazing. They, they come and still alive. You know, they're not they've dead. They've not to been.
0: Alive. They've not had. They've not had the pre-programming put, yeah. and they're not. They're just, they're just open and innocent and, and real, and they've yeah. not got all that preconditioning put in their head. I mean, I witness it myself when you're standing on the street and you'll see somebody, and um, you'll get so many pre-packaged ideas about yeah. who that person is. And you're, and I know myself when I speak to individuals, I can relate to them in so many things. But on the same token, I've got the self-awareness of being mm-hmm. aware that I do have. Um, I would argue a lot of people to lesser or greater degrees have um, preconceptions of people no question um, but what you were talking about there seems like with, with the meditation stuff um, to a certain extent I've done that in different avenues but for me it, it all comes around self-awareness get to know yourself understand sure. your own emotions Like, um, um what makes me happy it's it, it even
1: crazy to see this but um, that's good you... sorry uh, Harry Cookie Monster says you should meditate for 20 minutes a day if you're too busy for that then you should meditate for an hour <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry that's no that's alright
0: man that's big cookie how you doing cookie um, I'll bounce into the chat and see if there's any and, and, questions and, and while
1: you do I just want to put this out there like people might hear this and think oh I've always done this I just want to be clear with you guys right for the first 25 26 years of my life i didn't want anything to do with my emotions i didn't feel them i just tried to push them away why the you know they were the last thing i wanted anything to do with i only took up yoga um this year seriously you know in january before that i did a little bit i i dragged this body around like a sack of potatoes for 31 years i never did any exercise now since i've taken this stuff up I, I, I've come alive in my life, like I'm passionate, I'm learning so many things, I used to like think, oh I don't have time for this, I don't have time for that, now I just do it, you know, I, if I'm at home, I usually journal every day, I write three pages a day, come hell or high water, if I, if I miss a day, it's no problem, I just do the same, just go back to it the next day, I do all these things for myself, and you know, you think, I don't have, Oh, I don't have the self-respect to do it, you'll only get their self-respect once you start doing it and it makes you more available to other people as well everyone right you only have one life you should try and bring this one yourself to the highest potential you can you know see i'm still learning uh, oh me too i'm
0: not, no, no no i was going to say i'm still learning to not be so hard on myself right. believe it or not
1: yeah. um nobody beats themselves nobody beats me up the way i beat myself up it's true for so many of us Well, I still suffer from that problem, but I have to say the least I've ever done it for my life, in my life. And I would say a really great exercise for that is see if you're beating yourself up. Grab a pad of paper and write it all down. Just... Play two guys, right? The first guy, just get, oh, Craig, you're a fucking idiot. I can't believe you did that again. You always do it. You're so stupid, you're worthless. Just write it all down. Are you in my heat? Um, (laughs) That's exactly what it sounds like. That's that's great, because that gets the anger out. That gets the emotion out. And then after that, you can write down the other side of the story. You go, Well, on the other hand you know you learned something from it and you'll not do it again and yeah okay well maybe you fucked up but it's not that bad i mean you never killed anyone or anything so write both sides and that really helps and over time you will think less that way like one thing that i've done is you know when you remember something you did like whenever you were a kid or something like that um and you go oh i was such an idiot I've written out, I, I had so many of those, like from school, from being in my 20s, I even today I'd think about them and I'd go, oh, I'd cringe, so, and I've written about four or five of them, maybe six, in detail, and now all of them have lost their bite, so sometimes one really gets me and I go, oh shit, I better remember to write about that at some point, but broadly speaking, I don't get as many shame and guilt triggers because I've processed a lot of my shame and guilt from where I used to be. So this is stuff that anyone can do. And it makes you more emotionally free. Like I feel from doing all these exercises, I just feel so much more passionate about life. Because I'm not carrying the past around so much. So I've got more energy to be in the present. Uh, mate, I'm on the same page as you.
0: Like, uh, inner dialogue. I, yeah. I've, I've often spoke about this now. Typically speaking, when you start when you when you start talking about having an inner dialogue with yourself, most people will call you nuts. But it's the best debates I have, it's the most fairest open debates and it allows you to be honest with yourself because you have those two sides, the yin and the yang in your head. As you're saying, the one beating yourself up, the other one going, Stop being so fucking hard on yourself. Yeah. And you literally become both out. A, a, you learn, the mediator. A, Yeah. honestly I t I'm I I'm not kidding you on. I genuinely have the best debates in my head. And it's about my own stuff. And um, you might have found this yourself. It might be through your meditation and stuff. I don't know if you found it through doing the YouTube stuff and that. I find it is absolute therapy, man. I even hate using that word because I don't like shrinks and stuff. Well, I am one, so... (laughs) Get out, man. Get out my head. But it's that ability, your self-awareness, actually try and put yourself in other people's position, how they perceive you, um, and grow from that. Because... I, 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 all I've well, all I've done since I've done my YouTube is grow at an exponential yeah. rate. It's unbelievable. Uh like you're saying, like, like one thing when I start speaking to people on the street and I do it, it's the one thing they say: your passion. Yeah, because i don't need to sit there with a pen and paper i can just and they can tell this stuff is from my heart and i actually do give a shit it might not be stuff they
1: agree with but they can tell i actually do give a shit anyway we're getting loads of funny comments here people calling us hippies but i think they're doing it a friendly way i think they enjoy it uh, um, I, there's john asking you have you ever done dmt i i have i i've not done dmt but i've done the ayahuasca myself um, I don't recommend it for people who have a very fearful or anxious personality. If you're a very scared person or a very anxious person, you probably not ought to do such hard um, psychedelics because it can make it a lot worse. But if you deal with that issue, uh, whether it's through therapy or journaling or meditation, uh, mindfulness, and you become a lot less anxious and fearful as I have, especially over the last year, then um yeah you can have amazing experiences on it uh, obviously i would not advocate it i'm not saying go out and do it or anything like that your own uh discretion Um, you know consult a medical professional but i know i look like a hippie but to all those people calling us um uh, a bunch of hippies you're very rarely going to find a hippie who's as passionate about capitalism and free <laughs> markets as I have try and square that circle man I'm the free market hippie man the I've been called market. lots of things I like to think of myself as an unconventional intellecti-
0: intellectual and an uh, unconventional hippie
1: yeah um, no, but if you guys uh, want to hear more about um, self help stuff like I, add me on Facebook I put out 10 uh, minute live streams on help Self help issues, and I also have a YouTube channel, YouTube channel forward slash enrich your life one, and that's got some great videos. Most of them are about improving communication and improving relationships, but I've got a lot of other stuff up there too. Just in case you want to follow it up, like as you can hear from my voice, I'm really passionate about talking about personal transformation, and that's why, because I think that's how we're going to change the world by creating very competent, self loving helpful individuals by turning us into our highest potential that's how we're going to change the world not so much through the politics see i don't know if it was the same for you but when when i when i gravitated
0: towards this information um initially it was definitely escapism i was trying to get away from all the shit in my own life i felt so i didn't have any power to deal with a lot of the problems in my own life so I gravitated towards geopolitics. I can't
1: sort out shit in my own life, so I'll, that's just, it. I'll that's just solve world you, politics in a YouTube what, clip. That's, that is pretty much every lefty that I've met in Glasgow, bar a few. I mean, I can think of some people like, you know, Darren Loki, who's doing fucking excellent work, you know and uh, have you met him before yeah i met him down the 420 you should have him on your show man sound guy we had him on scott scottish liberty podcast we usually do a show an hour and we had him on for two hours because it was it was brilliant um so you know you, you occasionally find lefties who actually go out into the world and try and do some good but i think broadly speaking it's mostly driven by i can't sort shit out in my own life and I don't feel secure. Therefore, by getting involved in politics, I'll feel effective. Just gonna show people the interview you done with Loki there. There we have it. Trigger warning with Loki, the Scottish rapper. Great podcast. If you've got two hours, um, you could do a lot less bad than watching that one. Plus, if you're anything like me, you can watch it at 1.5 times the speed and save yourself 40 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I just dropped the link in there if anybody wants to get it. And, and was... also, can you can you drop in the link to my uh, self-help channel? Uh, it's yeah. um, youtube.com forward slash
0: YouTube, what
1: was it? Uh, Enrich Your Life 1. <laughs> I know, what a unwieldy name, one. Uh, yeah, that should be it. Uh, no, 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 the top, top one. one. Yeah. You've got the details on
0: screen folks and i'll drop that in the chat and you can also come back to this after the broadcast and i'll stick it in yeah because i've got i i
1: i was complimented on the videos because i tried to make them succinct and applicable like stuff that you can actually do and a few people really did actually send me a message and say i love your short videos because there's always something i can actually do in them like I've got one called how to deal with unreasonable people, uh, you know, stuff like stuff that everyone faces, you know, stuff on how to be a better listener, stuff that you can use to help your pals and your, your loved ones out, you know, and also help yourself out. I've got stuff on assertiveness, dealing with um, aggressive and manipulative people, all sorts of good shit.
0: Good stuff, man. I, I wasn't aware of that channel, uh, Anthony, so
1: uh, what was your old
0: name, Jam? jam revolutionary jam, jam. see see like, I, I, um that's how this kip name came about as well it was just an old youtube channel it was called kip 1881 and uh, i just made that name up back in the day and then as i started putting out content everybody was calling me um, Kip. Kip. So yeah. just stuck.
1: Cool, um, so I'll say hi to everybody in the chat. Yeah, and, um, and thanks to the person who thanked you for putting the link in and said they've subscribed. Yeah please do subscribe. I'm going to be putting more videos out and doing interviews soon. Nice one. Uh, John in the evening my man. Oh my
0: god what the fuck. Uh, there's Shell Owens in as well. There's The Cookie. How you doing my man. Uh, David Watson. Ah, who else have we got in here? A uh, real dream collie man. How he's all doing, guys? Those uh, ridiculous AK days. How you doing? A um, helicopter pad. <laughs> Fucking hippies, god. Um. Sim- simply for women. How you doing, my man?
1: A guy says I look like his real father. <laughs> Well, you know what? It wasn't me, okay? It wasn't me. Plausible I, deniability. I, I did fuck your mum, but work on a condom.
0: <laughs> Paul, how you doing? The artist formerly known as Tony. Jamesy boy. Um, and the, Vadum, how you doing? There's Lewis aka Frank, how you doing? Someone
1: tells me that, uh, calls me Sigmund. I think he means that, I think Sigmund I'm Freud. Freud. <laughs> yeah yeah um,
0: there's christian wilson as well how yous all doing uh do bear in mind the link is below um for anthony's channel i'll get the other channels link um and after the broadcast there's committed escaper and um, think of man, dmc Fuck the left and right vadum cookie uh who is that helicopter pad
1: so um, if you want your comment read out get in there and say something funny <laughs> or Uh, insightful anybody
0: that's got me on the skypes as well if you do have um there's maggie how you doing maggie uh links below for his channel
1: glad to know that you're enjoying the show maggie thank you so much for coming along
0: and crazy cass as well how you doing crazy Uh, and there's enrich your uh, life as well Uh, yeah just click the videos tab let's uh, get that in the chat for everybody so you can go and check it all out. How you doing, Paul? There's Humphrey in as well, how he's all doing. Um so make sure you check out all that. Um so Anthony, interesting um talking about your journey, how you got to where you are, because it's branched off in a million one different ways. It started in America talking to a libertarian, sharing a lot of views, politically minded, um and I've already talked about, well, what I wanted to go to was how the the process of getting, the process of trying to get libertarianism or just even, as I like to call it, common sense thinking injected into the politics. We pretty much covered that with the statism thing, and I understand you're on the page, you don't feel we can vote or, we, we, I think the system's rigged so we could never vote these common sense things in. I'm not one for, also, protesting or yeah. anything, I've said to my idea about um, literally just setting up our own voting systems and it wouldn't be voting for my ideology over Tom Dix or Harry's ideology, About about be voting about the singularity of what we can agree on. The system's corrupt, it's never going to right itself, uh, as An- Anthony said, we need to set up our own institutions, figuratively burn down all the old institutions and take the power away from the government back to yourselves the way it initially was set up uh, and right now it definitely seems to be a global corporatization we're moving towards um but brilliant like you, you spoke about that in our dialogue as well um for me that's been the most uh, the biggest learning curve throughout this whole youtube journey i've done is the self-awareness and myself even the confidence to kind of like myself uh, to have the confidence to talk about these things, you mentioned that with yourself as well and um, it's about self-improvement and I think if for me, if you start improving yourself yeah, if
1: people spent half as much time improving themselves as they did trying to improve the world, they'd be a lot happier and they'd be a lot more helpful to others. See, I think um, <coughs> I was saying
0: earlier on, I was projecting my lack of uh, control. Um, through wanting to solve the world's problems before my own, uh, and it starts with inner work. Everything. If uh, uh five used to use a an analogy of if your boat's got a hole in it, how the hell can you save anybody Perfect. else? Perfect. Well it's, said. It's it's a real good mindset, and um, also to be able to admit or or even have some idea of not your flaws, because I don't. I think every human being has good points and bad points. But it's about the self awareness of yourself about the things you want to improve. Um, a lot of people gravitate towards this shit because they're looking for community. They want to fit in. They want friends. They want to feel that they're. Um, they want to feel that there's people on this planet that are similar minded. And I think it's a con a trick of the control system to make you politically apathetic to the stage where you don't give a shit. You care more about X Factor and and uh, Big Brother than you do politics. And it's the self-awareness to understand that individuals do have power and you have the power to change your own life. People talk about what's happening in the world,
1: but people need to change their own realities. Their own realities is what we witness. For sure. And I just want to, I really want to compliment your audience because like... These people that are tuning in right now, they're so... Don't do that too much, man. They might get used to yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> they're so fucking enlightened. I mean, we're getting great com- uh, comments here, like improving yourself versus trying to change people. And like, damn right, they are, can't change anything without changing yourself. Like, these people know protesting is useless. Yeah, how about instead of all turning up to a protest, all turn up to like feed some, you know, or, or to teach your skills to people that don't have those skills that are impoverished you know something like that you know same amount of time but it's going to have more impact in the world you know i love your audience like great uh warm funny like Great guys, please They've also. All took too
0: much DMT, mate. That's the right. <laughs> thing.
1: That, now that you've said now that I've said that as well, I'd be silly not to ask you to please uh, subscribe to the Scottish Liberty podcast because I'd love to have you guys as my audience as well. We put out a show once a week, and uh, I would love to hear from you guys in, in the comments for our show to, as well because you're all brilliant, like. So w- when would they typically find your podcast? It usually goes out on a Thursday, but uh, we're not as professional as you, so it's a bit irregular. <laughs> I didn't come uh, up on uh, Friday. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But I guys, definitely go and check it out, man. Um, yeah. Subscribe, get involved in the conversation, and especially there's a good few of them that are in around Glasgow. Yeah. Um, like, talking about the, the, the DMT thing you've done, I'll ask, I've not had the privilege to try that yet, but it would have been over two years ago now, I took my first DMT trip, um, and I was, I I think this was, I think this was a real smart thing to do, we talk about self-awareness and stuff, Uh, and when I took my DMT trip, I filmed it, and see watching that back, like, see that, I I don't know, I've never had Ayahuasca, so I don't know if you get that intense, just every emotion, fucking going on the planet, of fear, love, fucking everything, when I started coming back from my trip, um, and I didn't I didn't do it lightly I kind of went in hardcore so I fucking launched wow yeah uh, well that's what
1: happens with when you smoke it
0: oh, and uh, when I first started coming back um, because I don't know if you had the same experience but you understand like we're all part of the same hand it's just fingers poking up above the paper and you right. think they're all individual but underneath the surface we are all joined believe it or not so when when I started coming round I just couldn't believe the conflict that goes on amongst humanity. Yeah, I know. It's like, know, wow, you...
1: why are But arguing with our fucking selves here? Yeah, because, because people don't know how to resolve their inner conflicts, they don't know how to resolve their other, outer conflicts, which is, again, why most of the, cha- the, the videos on my channel, my self-help channel, are about improving your communication. Because one thing improving your communication with others is going to help you is improve your communication with yourself and vice versa. If people have a conflict-free mind, uh, uh, they don't get into as many conflicts. Like, one thing that I've noticed a massive change in me this year, I don't react nearly as much when people come to me with aggression or anything like that. It doesn't affect me, it doesn't trigger me the way it used to, so there's a lot less conflict in my life, and I have much firmer boundaries, because I used to think, Am I in the right? Am I in the wrong? Whereas now if someone d- does something I, I don't like, I can just say, you know, cut that out. Like, and, uh, and you know, and I've got a boundary there. So if it's on the phone, you know, whatever, you know, family or whatever, you know, it's like, if you continue doing that, I'm going to have to hang up. And, I, and And I feel like I've got the right to do that whereas I didn't feel like I used to have the right to stand up for myself before. So it's all to play for. Like, you need to become your own best friend, man. Aye. And that will make you such a great friend to others as well. I appreciate your, your own benefits, and,
0: and I actually try and find some love for yourself because there's so many people out there that are staying self-hatred. Yeah. Uh, and it's like... Uh, I've noted
1: down there the fight-or-flight response. That's it. I've... I've been gradually deactivating mine because, see, the childhood we go through here, the amount of stress in the society, people are so close to fight or flight that anything will tip them over the edge and then they get in a conflict. Mm-hmm. You, That's the benefit of meditation, mindfulness, journaling, NLP, you know, trauma release exercises. You can look them up. There's so many tools for us to use now. Mm-hmm. And all that's about is coming out this part of your back and the back of your head, this primitive brain into this bit that does all the creativity, the joy, the thinking, uh, the the good communication, you know, Cut, migrate from the back of your brain to the front of your brain. Mm-hmm. That's what the journey is. It's a it's a half a foot journey from the back of your mind to the to the front, from the subconscious to the conscious. Yeah, and it's like the
0: the fight or flight response. That's a a, a primal. Um, a, a primal human behavior and from a conspiratorial point of view where i believe human beings are heavily manipulated you could argue for whatever reasons but we're heavily manipulated and, and like the manipulators using our primal responses from fear yeah to the fight or flight and as i said before they took this big fucking pro, this big group of people that agreed on love and peace not war And they smashed it apart into groups which then allowed them to go to the fight or flight and argue amongst themselves over crumbs that are falling off the table rather than the big block of cheese on the top where let's actually look at the systems that are controlling us right now, bondage to the monetary system um, and democracy where we believe or we've been told that that is the only way ahead. Now, yeah, it's a religion, and, and why? Well, this is a brilliant one. I know you. This will be right up your street. Now, America was founded as a democratic republic, and nowadays you never hear any politician in America referring to the republic as a democratic republic. Now, even July the Fourth. What the fuck was July the fourth? Happy July the fourth, everybody. Hab- no, it's in the fucking pendency, which is another word they're moving away from because they're trying to appropriate it as some sort of a fucking globalist ideal. When it, when it's actually um when it was actually like founded in principles of individuality and the sovereign rights of a country, which is completely getting um washed away now. Um. So anybody with a, anybody that's got my Skype and want to ask Anthony a direct question?
1: Yeah, I feel believe he Cookie Monster had a question before, and here's a wacky theory I've got. You were talking about the fight or flight response. I believe that's the left and right man. The right are the fight people. We need secure borders. We need to go abroad and fight our enemies. We need whatever. You know, they're risk averse. Uh, they want to get you before you get them the left or the oh you know oh, oh i don't want any trouble like you know don't uh you know it's better if they they basically i'd rather someone punched me than i punched someone you know kind of like oh like can, why can't we all just like get along it's there's all fight or flight and then you've got the the freeze as well which is the people who are just like oh there's no point in trying to change the world like you know it, nothing's going to happen, you might as well just accept it. So that's all psychology based, depending on what your makeup is. People's personalities reflect in their um, political stance, which is, by the way, really interesting. If you come to our libertarian meetings, you will never find such a diverse group of people. Like, they're so different from each other. They're not like, you know the kind of personality that a lot of lefties have and also conservatives you know quite stuffy and you know there's a certain personality uh, associated with different political views and i think that's because certain personality types have a tendency towards certain views so i'm looking forward to your questions uh, well before we battle into that
0: i want to take i heard this um on your podcast jeremy corbyn is dangerous I hope I'm not getting mixed up. And you were talking about the gentleman whose name, I forget, you met over through in Edinburgh. and Was it Czech Republic or something? And was that we you Yeah, Yeah, yeah,
1: Le- Liberland.
0: I want to find out more about that. It seems like a good Oh, thing. well,
1: um, I'm not necessarily the right person to ask because I wasn't there. But uh, basically, from what I hear, there's um, some libertarian-minded people have grabbed some land which is unclaimed by any country. And they're trying to set it up as a mini nation based on libertarian principles, based on individualism, not collectivism. And they're trying to get uh, worldwide recognition and accepted as a bona fide country. So, yeah, if you subscribe to the Scottish Liberty Podcast, my co-host, Tom Laird, did an interview with that guy, so it should be going up. Yeah, nice one.
0: yeah. Um, because I, I told Anthony about this as well. I am the founding father of Estonia. Oh, welcome to Estonia, by the way. I didn't even say that. And I know it does sound bizarre, but it is. It's small gestures like that that led to the 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 the, the founding fathers of America um, drawing a line in the sand and going, "We're going to create a, a, a country and, and a better system than we currently got." Um, the the, the the guy that Tom interviewed about Lieberland, it's fascinating as well. Um, again, my my different approach would be I wouldn't argue to get recognised in the I wouldn't argue to get recognised worldwide again. That's the statism to sort of ask the sure. global community. Not not that I'm disrespecting them or appreciate what they're doing. I would go
1: more for right. We're setting this up, and yeah, but then you need guns and weapons to defend it, and then they will come in with armies to shut you down, and you don't want to be a dead man. Basically, you <laughs> might be a free. You' better being a slightly controlled living man than a, dead, <laughs> than a dead free one. You know what I mean? True. Sometimes
0: I w- I would like like um recently in Turkey um. Try to remember it. M- might have been about nine months to a year ago, and there was a protest in one of the squares in Turkey. I can't remember, and they done slight something slightly different in the sense they all stood up, and they they weren't protesting with placards or anything. They all just stood still, um, in silence, and that was their kind of protest. So with that sort of a principle, but done with liberland, um, flash mob. Well, not so much even a flash mob. Like like you're saying, go there and do it. Don't fuck with them. Just becomes trying to become self-dependent as possible, make as little noise, and hopefully, like people of the world would look in, and then it, it's like the, making the ty- I, I think making the the, the the tyranny basically get the emperor to call the emperor out for having no clothes as a step in the right direction. Right. So through the processes of trying to stand up and be independent and create an independent nation. Um, that process can shine a light on the genuine global control that's going on just now, which would be a small victory. It might not create a libertarian nation or what have you, but it would definitely shine a light uh, on how genuinely controlled and how much permission we need to do X, Y and Z just now. So um, I'd definitely need to improve my ignorance on that as well. It sounds interesting. Um, So anybody on the Skypes or anybody in the YouTubes if you've got any um can light exist in a
1: vacuum? Uh, I don't know, but I can refer you to my friend Finn Townsley, who's a physics enthusiast and would be able to tell you. I'll vacuum up my torch. Should, should I take this one from <laughs> Harry Cookie Monster? That's it, mate. I was asking about your thoughts on property, intellectual property, ownership, etc. Well. I'm a filthy proprietarian, I do believe in property, I believe that uh, if you legitimately acquire your property then you should have a right to that property and how do you legitimately acquire it? By your own labour, um, And because if you, if you create something and someone takes it away from you, they're stealing your life because you invested your life, you invested your time in it. Uh, intellectual property, I'm not a believer in. Um, the whole point of property is that it's non-excludable, right? So if I own this lighter, I don't, Kip owns it, but if I he gives it to me, I can't have this at the same time as you, whereas if I come up with an idea or an invention, you can have that idea at the same time as me. So in order to enforce intellectual property rights you'd have to interfere with someone else's property rights. Supposing I come up with a program, uh, a computer program. And I say, well, that's my intellectual property. You can't create the same program. Someone would have to interfere with your property right over your computer to stop you from copying it. So I'm not for the intellectual property. However, excludable property I am for as long as it was acquired legitimately through the voluntary exchange of goods and services. Um, And that's, you know, that's a boundary. That's an extension of yourself as a human being. You know, you've got a right to what you create. You can give it away. You can trade it. You can keep it for yourself. It's all good. Um, because, see, if you tra- as I said before, if you trade for it, then you're acting in a mutually beneficial way. See, I would... um I don't think it's a different point of view. I would just, like, sort of uh,
0: add to the community where we're talking about all these solutions uh, or a lot of solutions... Um, about existing it. community sure so like w- with regards to like uh, property ownership and stuff i think if if you had a community let's call it a housing scheme or or what have you a tribe or and there was like sure. sort of a self-government uh, self-governmentship uh, or self-governance in that community the, i think the community would decide and this is where you could have two mm. communities stay next to each other with completely different ways sure. of approaching this uh, my way of approaching it would be like a voluntary system within the community That's where what, they would decide, like, right, well. As can, long as it's voluntary, yeah. See, I, I would even. I don't like using monarchy or kings or queens. People understand that principle. I would have no problem. I, th- I think even the tribal system, you'd have a chieftain and the, the community would kind of promote that chief guy. I would have no problem with that chief guy staying in a big uh, ivory tower, having a few bells and whistles and stuff because he'd.
1: He he was the leader. They they, they think he's good at it, and if he's not good at it, they can kick him out. Yeah, exactly. Consequences. It's the plausible deniability right now. Um, What what I would say is, like, if you've got like this housing scheme, you know, they can have a bike shed with ten bikes in it, and people just use it whenever they want. That's great. That's voluntary. Or they can have a tool shed because how often do you use your Chainsaw once in a while and they can share it that I'm all for that. I'm not so much for people redistributing other people's property against their will. like maybe if they've signed a contract to agree to, to that being allowed then fine, they've agreed that in order to live in that housing scheme, that can happen. People can vote away their property, but I'm not for people doing it against people's will. Unless that property was acquired through the use of force, uh, using the state, lobbying, corporate welfare or whatever, you can can take back property that's been taken in an illegitimate way, but I don't think you should force uh, redistribution, Um, on people who earned their um, property through serving others. See, I think
0: even natural law would kick in there in a sense. Like, if you had a community that was self-governing and within that community there was a perception that one person was hoarding all this stuff. uh, How can you say for... for, mm, He was hoarding stuff which was harming the community. I think naturally that community would deal with that situation. Okay.
1: Through, through what mechanism? did he mechanism? get that stuff? Did he get it by making stuff that made other people's life better, well, or or did he manipulate people or defraud them, or, well, you know? it's it, not so much that, it's, I mean, like, you, I think you can acquire wealth through different,
0: a, a lot of different means. Uh, what I mean in a sense is, if you had your chief, uh, and this chief was just, like, keeping all the food for himself letting members of the community starve just in case there was a famine next year to keep him safe rather than looking after the whole first and foremost. It's about prioritizing because I I think individualism means that the individual has the right to to, to aspire to whatever he wants to and reach for the stars. I don't think you can take away from that and it even sounds a bit communist thinking when you're talking about all these shared amenities and stuff like that. But when it boils down to it um your basic amenities which the which the community needs to survive your ineligible rights let's say um that stuff shouldn't be well i don't know uh, for me uh, my well position would yes. be it shouldn't be there for hoarding for the benefit of one over the many Sh- sure Um not well, that individuals couldn't collaborate it couldn't accumulate what they believe to be wealth it would be the balance, it would be the, the, the keeping the community, the tribe, healthy and safe, as well as letting the individuals in that tribe flourish. I hear so you. balance.
1: So if they have the proper uh, contracts in place and, and so forth, then, you know, that's what a community is basically, it's a social, con- it's a, how are we going to deal with one another? So you'd want to have these things clearly defined. But you also need to be careful with this kind of thinking. And I'll tell you why. So um, in the wet Europe and America, the government had massive subsidies to farmers, going back to the European economic community and things like that. And that caused the farmers say in Europe and America to grow a lot more food than was needed. And there was, it was all going to go to waste. So they thought, well, we'll be really compassionate and we'll send that food to Africa to help those starving people but it actually was a disaster because what happened was all of the farmers in Africa that were trying to sell their food and make a living and improve the development exactly went out of business and it set those countries back instead of pushing them forward
0: i would argue by design but <laughs> maybe
1: maybe maybe they did it by design because they didn't want africa to develop and outcompete us which by the way for any people who are interested in economics is totally stupid because we benefit from anything invented in america and america benefits from anything invented in europe when africa becomes developed that means they'll get universities, they'll get more leisure time. They won't just be farmers, they'll be intellectuals. And they'll start inventing stuff as well. And we'll benefit from all the inventions that are made in Africa and all the good ideas that come out of there. So international development is great for everyone on the planet, not just the poor. See, that, like, um, that's where I would say you
0: can tell it's a, it's a global corporate structure because it is the benefit of these corporate entities i I would put the crosshairs at the city of london um before we went live i was telling you i'm diving into a wee bit of the uh, information with hong kong with what's happening in in the south china sea and stuff and um like you're saying like uh, most people are on the same page as you they don't want a um everybody wants to flourish but not at the expense of other people um whereas corporate interests have a, a, a interest in uh, fencing off the resources sure. because Africa you probably know this better than me but I think Africa is one of the biggest fucking untapped resources right. in the world the resources have got there are phenomenal and I think they realise that and they understand if Africa uncapped that and they were independent, those nations would have far more resources than the corporations currently have under control in a city of London.
1: You're right, but they're wrong to fear that because resources aren't everything. Ideas are what really matters and it's ideas that make countries wealthy. If if you run countries, like Singapore doesn't have any resources, but it's one of the richest countries in the world because they've got good economic policies. Can I just come back on something that someone said a moment ago? Because it's an important point that people will want me to address, and they might be not be the only one thinking it. Um, uh, Lewis Carroll, uh, the last one, says, "We don't own the earth." It's a quote. We are the earth's caretakers. We take care of it and all the things on it, and when we're done with it, it should be left better than we found it. Okay. I agree with you in principle but in the fact of what this suggests is counterproductive because it's idealistic right if you look at the places where they're making the worst mess of the environment like say Africa where they uh, cut down the rainforest uh, the reason why they do that is because there's no property rights a charity cannot go over to Africa and buy up the rainforest and say, no one's cutting that down, because they'll just cut it down anyway. They don't respect property rights. And as a consequence of that, there's because with a right, with every right is a responsibility. With my right not to be harmed comes my responsibility not to harm others. If I own a river and I pollute that river and that pollution goes down and t- intoxicates a village, I'm personally responsible for that because with my right comes my responsibility and I can be sued for damages. If I own a forest and I want to make money from that, the best way I can do it is to farm it sustainably. So when I cut down one bit, I plant it again, I go on to the next bit and I take care of it forever. If the government owns it, I just get a lease. I cut it all down and the taxpayer has to pick up the tab. So as long as you understand that with rights comes responsibilities, this is what happened in the communist countries. They were absolute environmental disasters. Poland, Czechoslovakia, Soviet Union, much worse than the countries with mixed economies to the environment because the government could just keep on handing out resources left, right and centre. In a free market, the more scarce a resource becomes, the higher the price of that resource. And that means that that resource gets allocated to people who can make the best use of the resources, not just thrown around like it's going to last forever. So I've got a video on this. It's called uh, Only Capitalism Can Save the Environment. Only Capitalism Can Save the, env- the Planet. Socialism Will Destroy the Earth. If you want to hear more about that, please check it out. I put the arguments across. With property rights also becomes res- property responsibilities. So yes, you own the right to a factory, but if you pollute the air, you're responsible for that pollution and you should be held accountable for it. So I hope that makes my view on that clear. I definitely,
0: and I, again, I would go if communities felt that like they owned the land they stay on, that that whole thing yeah. would resolve itself yeah, because, through natural law because you've
1: got you, ownership and you do want to pass that down to your kin. Exactly. You won't be pissing into
0: the river you, because you want everyone
1: to Everyone takes it. better care of their own car than a rent-a-car. So if the community owns, has ownership over their resources, they're going to want to use them wisely. But if they're disenfranchised and it's the government that owns it, then they're not going to take care of it. Mm, spot on, man. Um, right, so let's see how long we've done. Coming up um, to two hours, my man. Is it? Fifteen more minutes to... Uh, do we have any more questions?
0: Uh, uh, get your questions in now. We'll be wrapping this up shortly. So I'll batter down to the bottom. Um, get them in pronto. We'll answer a few more questions and then get it wrapped up. So, um, cookie energy harvesting to build their Babylon out of context. What's going down in Antarctica? The Nazi base, that's we all know that. Um, Harvesting human life like a measured energy sale, shell owns the higher side chat channel did an excellent podcast on what they have done in africa who enforces the property rights or, for me i would say it would be natural law it, it, it wouldn't yeah. be property rights because well for me that comes with so many connotations already it would just be the, the communities own the land they stay on they are responsible for it sorry the, the point i wanted to pick up on as well <clears throat> As you were saying, you've got the right to own a factory, and if you pollute, then you're responsible. I, I can live with that. It sounds pretty more sen- that sounds sensible. The problem we've got with this corporate system <laughs> is you can't kick a corporation in the balls. Yeah, and because th- yeah, there's no ownership the there, yeah. so government so, you can't kick well, them. In I- the I've balls. I've
1: got a point about this because there's a a guy called Martin J Horowitz wrote a two volume treatise called The Transformation of American law and he says back at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, we still had the common law and if a factory polluted and the suit came and made your washing black, for example. Right up to much of the 19th century, you could go and sue them, so they had responsibility, but then the collectivists came in and said, you selfish individual, all you care about is your individual rights, your washing. This factory is providing employment, this factory is providing products, it's for the common good, and the common good should supersede your your rights, and that's when it all went wrong. So exactly as you say, it got to the point where you can't boot a corporation in the boss because the law changed from the old law, which was you can't harm a person, and their person and their property, to um, what is for the common good. So, uh, Harry Cookie Monster wants to ask who would enforce the property rights. Now, I can't give you a lengthy answer on that at the moment, but if you want to message me on Facebook, I'll direct you to a couple of videos. I don't think he does really... Facebook. Hey, um, YouTube, Cookie, send him a message send him, send, send him a message wherever you do it, wherever you do, get in touch with me, and I'll send you a couple of links on that or anyone who who wants to know. Um
0: or the germanic people or the natives of australia or, oh God. gaddafi was a, was good for africa he was ah there you go that's a good question what do you think about what gaddafi was doing in libya uh, before obviously the, the recent war i don't know if you know much about i it don't what?
1: i'm not an expert on it but i have ha- heard a couple of conspiracy theories that he did a few good things and, and... free health care 10 grand for, some of the stuff he does it was very socialist uh,
0: the gold dinar. I don't know if you've heard yeah, about the gold dinar. I hear dinar. things
1: maybe was coming off the gold standard or maybe he wasn't allowing America to push them around. But you know what they're like, the imperialists. They don't mind dictators as long <laughs> as the dictators are doing what they want. Aye. They only hate dictators that aren't doing what they want. And that's just the, the imperialists, man. The, the, they, they, they will take out any government that, that um, poses a threat to their hegemony. Um, so
0: corporatism... Uh, he warned us cookie and our own government took no notice, easy answer, the blood and the land are one one. Um, right, so if you've got any other questions, um, batter them and we'll try and pick them up. As I said, if you've enjoyed this, feel free to stick a wee thumbs up, it's much appreciated. Uh, See, so you have got 30 thumbs up already, so thanks for watching guys and girls. Um, Make sure uh, thumbs it up. Share it with your friends, family, and friends. Help the show grow. Uh, link below as well for the Scottish Liberty Podcast. Uh, I will get the Enrich Your Life, um, Enrich Your Life channel. I've uh, put below in the description after the show. Uh, I've shared that before, but uh, put in YouTube. Enrich Your Life, and it's the top link. Enrich Your Life One. En- Enrich Your Life One. Um, I don't know if I'm losing my moose loose about this. Was. Uh YouTube enrich your life one. Get your top link, and you will be a um, find that all out. If you've got me on the face bag, um, hit me up and I'll point you in the direction of Anthony as well. If I can, I don't know my way around the face bag, um, but hopefully we'll do something like this yeah. again. If you've enjoyed it, I know I have. Anthony. I have. I
1: really have. Um, thank you. I've so, enjoyed all
0: the chats, Wolfgang. Yeah, it's been that,
1: good. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And thanks thank, for you
0: having me on, mate. Yours yeah. was nice, man.
1: And thanks everyone for tuning in. I had a really great time tonight. So it's getting a bit late, and. Uh,
0: Ah, it's getting a bit late, so uh, Antonizzi gets home as well. So thanks everybody so much. Thumbs it up, share it. If you do appreciate anything I do, feel free to use the Patreon and PayPal buttons down Give below. Give him some
1: shekels, man. He works hard. <laughs> this guy cannot live on air, man.
0: <laughs> I try, but it doesn't work too good. So um, feel free to use them if you want to show any support. Um, links for both channels will be below as well. Uh, Cookie, Stewie, oh my god, what the fuck, Cheryl... Uh, Lewis aka Frank, Helicopter Pad, there's Murphin how you doing Murph my man, John Stones, uh, thanks for watching everybody David Watson, hopefully I've managed to call him, man, hopefully I've managed to say hi to you, he's all Paul um, and Crazy Cass, I think I've said hi to most, James Owen as well, James uh, was the guy that was with me when we met Anthony the other week there So thank you so much, everybody. Especially thanks to Anthony. Uh, Make sure you check out his podcast. Um, Him and his co-host Tom. Um,
1: And I think your
0: flatmate does a few podcasts with you. Yeah, yeah. When
1: I was when I was in India, my flatmate stood in. (laughs) You might come back on the show, uh, and that was the
0: dude we met. um, Me and James met and stuff as well. So beautiful conversations, good people doing real things in the real world. Uh, Agree, disagree at least get involved man these people here to chat yeah and
1: you know feel free to crash into our podcast channel and like leave annoying comments saying where we're wrong because we like being corrected or you know have a friendly debate with us because we're we're respectful as long as you're respectful engage the half decent comments spin the other ones man (laughs) so thanks so much
0: everybody uh hopefully you have enjoyed that. Uh leave your comments as well after the show about maybe any future questions you would like me to put to Anthony or whatnot and we can sort that out no problems. Uh there's Dave Warrow as well, Cheryl Owens, uh, Cheryl Owens and Honest Bob and Jules. How you doing, Jules, Cookie and Blazing? Uh how you doing, Blazing, my man? Um so thank you very much so much, everybody. Going to play the outro and then I am out of here. Catchies!
1: It's a fear it's
0: fear it's fear fear come on.
1: It keeps the cheese in the maze, and the rats in the race, and those peasants in the days, like it's a little of fear come on. It keeps clip.